Hey ladies, welcome to the Looking Above podcast. It's easy to get bogged down in details of everyday life. If we aren't intentional, our eyes can easily be pulled away from the Lord and we can set our gaze on things of earth. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My name is Karen Boffman and I'm the women's pastor at New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. I believe that our perspective changes everything. So together, we'll be looking above. Hi, welcome back to Looking Above. I'm Brooklyn and Karen is here too. Um, Today we're talking about flourishing spaces and creating, which is fun. It I'm is excited fun. to talk about it. Is it is fun. And we both like creating, mm-hmm. um, but there's kind of like a lot beneath it, right? Yeah. To understand and to process and why we do this and how it makes us more resilient. Resilient. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the interesting part, I think, as all of this has been. How does this have to fit into becoming resilient people? Yeah. It is interesting. Um, She starts off talking about creating space Mm -hmm. um, to have like comfort and peace and serenity. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting because God kind of led me to do that when I was pregnant. So kind of at the end of last year and into this year. Mm -hmm. um, And she kind of broke down why that is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, So she talks about a word. (laughs) Karen and I don't really know how to say it correctly. We <laughs> looked up the pronunciation and she has it in her book, but it's huga. So mm-hmm. it's a Danish word. If any yes. of you have ever heard of that. Yes. <laughs> and if you want to look it up, H-Y-G-G-E. Yes. It is not spelled huga no. in our language. <laughs> right. Right. It's spelled like haigu or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it's a, it's a Danish word that means the feeling um, of quiet and comfort through surroundings that mm. invoke contentment or well-being. Mm. Which just sounds peaceful, right? Yes, tranquility. It's like creating tranquil, peaceful spaces. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was trying to do in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and But really quick, she had also, um, the Danish have a word for comfy pants, and it's huga buxer, <laughs> if we're saying it right, <laughs> which is so fun. Which is awesome, <laughs> yes, and it is not... I, I would say is very infrequent that I don't go home after work and get into my Hugo bus buckster pants. <laughs> yeah. All, all the time. I was just excited. There was a fancy <laughs> word for sweatpants. <laughs> I'm going to wear my Hugo bucks. I know I would live in them. People are always like, Oh, you're dressed so cute. I'm like, Oh, this, like, do you see how stretchy and comfy it is? That's why I'm wearing it. But Hugo buckster is right? in right now. Like yeah. sweats and comfy oh, clothes. Yes. So that's good. Yes. What was the the <laughs> term we learned the other week? Grout fit. Oh yeah. You just taught me that term. <laughs> a grout fit. <laughs> Hadn't heard of it. Had to learn from my college kids. Yeah. What but is it's it? It's like an all gray sweatpant outfit, which I guess some people now are turning it into more like work attire too, but like gray on gray on gray, like grout fit. All gray grout I fit. I wore a grout fit yesterday. I should have texted you a picture. But anyways, <laughs> it was my comfy clothes. It's comfy. I and resting. I know often I'm in a grout fit when I am hookah buskering. It just makes you feel more put together when there's a term to describe it. Okay, moving on. (laughs) So anyways, as I was saying that 
last year, God put on my heart to make my mm. spaces um, more tranquil is what yeah. you just used yeah. uh, for my family mm-hmm. and for us to come home to, because I felt like we were living really hectic lives. And then when we come home, it was still hectic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Oh, every day. That's my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my space. I am not good at Huga. Uh, I feel like every time I purge my house, you can't even tell more stuff. I need to, (laughs) I need to hire you to come help me. Well, I've read a bunch of books on it. So I like to dive into things when I am going to do them. And so I rented a bunch of books from the library Mm -hmm. and then I followed a lot of Instagram accounts and listened to podcasts. And so I kind of learned like a technique to um, minimizing Mm -hmm. um, and why you minimize um, and create the space that you want. And so Rebecca talks in her book about how she would like, Places that she would go, mm-hmm. she would feel peace at. She mm-hmm. would kind of take like an, like a, I don't know, account of what was around her right. and then kind of try to bring certain aspects of that into her home. Yes. Um, yes. Which I thought was really cool. But anyways, I did yes. learn a few things. Yeah. What did you learn? So I'm going to share. Um, so first of all, that it's overwhelming if mm-hmm. you just take it all on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a very all or nothing person. And so... I wanted to do it in one day and that's not how it works. <laughs> it takes a long it's time. A I'm process. still doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I actually think it's ongoing. I don't think you're ever finished um, yeah. because birthdays happen. If you have kids, you get a lot of things and mm-hmm. Christmases and, you know, but mm-hmm. we live in such a consumeristic society. Right. That there's always, it seems like there's always more coming more in. More coming in. Yeah. 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 Um, but so what I learned was to take it room by room was mm-hmm. what worked well for me mm-hmm. um, and not put it all into one day or even a week or mm-hmm. even a month. <laughs> Um, because it's a slow process. Yeah. It can be super overwhelming if you're just like, well, I'm getting rid of everything. Right. Or you could be on the other end and not want to get rid of anything. Mm -hmm. um, And that is hard too, because there are some things that are kind of hard to let go of and you don't have to, like, that's the great thing about minimal Mm -hmm. minimalism is what Mm -hmm. they called it in my books. Mm -hmm. Um, But really it's, it's not about getting rid of of stuff. It's about keeping what's important. Mm -hmm. That's what Mm-hmm. And making a space where you can flourish is, mm-hmm. is what she's saying, yeah. you know, and I think often we've heard, you know, like we don't have our things, our things have us. Mm-hmm. Right. And the more things we have in our space, the more things we have to deal with, then it, things take time. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So, and they clutter, not only your house, but for me, they were like cl- cluttering my thinking mm-hmm. and just things were not flowing as smoothly Mm -hmm. as I'd wanted. And when I was getting rid of stuff, it just made me realize how much we have and get and buy that we do not need and that we use for a short time and then store. Right. Um, And it really opened my eyes to how consumeristic our um, culture is. Yeah. And it made me kind of sad (laughs) because we do, we just get, get, get and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what our culture tells Mm us is Mm -hmm. the best. And it's not. some other things I learned was mm-hmm. that um, that I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong with stewarding what God gave us. Like that's mm-hmm. what I looked at it as is I'm stewarding the home God's given me, mm-hmm. or um, like making it a place where the family He's given me we can flourish. But it is so easy for me, at least, to make that an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started worshiping the place that I was worshiping God in versus. Mm-hmm. worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. it, I did that because 
like, I felt like if I didn't make this perfect, God wouldn't meet me here. And that is just not true at all. And it twisted very subtly and easily over time Mm -hmm. to that space. And Mm -hmm. so now I have to reframe my brain and be like, nope, you're making a space. Um, But that doesn't mean that God won't meet you anywhere. Right. And that's the danger too. Sometimes when we get into Instagram and follow Mm, too many accounts, right? We see so many perfect spaces and then it does become an idol of, I want to create this space. Um, And what I liked about what Rebecca said in this chapter was it doesn't have to cost a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and she Mm -hmm. talked about um, secondhand stores and thrifting and things like that, like just finding a few key items and using them in the space to help the space feel more peaceful. Yeah. And I think a lot of my books talked about like not spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And actually a lot of them would talk about not spending any money mm-hmm. and just using and reuse what you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is great. I like that. I like repurposing. That's yeah. Kind of fun too. And it's fun because then you can create new things, which mm-hmm. is also what we're talking mm-hmm. about. And today. my husband loves it when I ask him to move furniture from upstairs to downstairs so I can create new spaces. <laughs> yes, he does. I'm sure he does. <laughs> Counting on he's not watching this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a quote here um, and -hmm. it's from page 191 Mm -hmm. in the book. Um, And she says, it's no wonder the trajectory of the historic rise in depression in Western society follows closely with the rise in consumerism. Mm. So do you think consumerism is rising then? Still? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes. Because we are so conditioned to a life of ease mm-hmm. that, it, you know, well, I, okay, here, last night, I did not want to go out in the cold. And I looked at Valerie and I said, I know why people do Walmart pickup. They don't want to go out or why, you know, in some places mm-hmm. it's delivered to you. I don't want to go out and I don't want to have to endure the people and the, uh, you know, the frustration of shopping in this store. And so, yes, we are, we're getting ever more consumeristic. Yeah, like right. now we have people who bring our food from the restaurant to us because we don't even want to go to the restaurant, like more and more, like we are just holding up in our houses and just feed me, feed me. I just did that in Florida. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. I was so, I was like, how do people that do this all the time? I was, I was thinking about mm-hmm. resilience and mm-hmm. I mean, I loved it on vacation because I did. Right. I just luxury. had meals delivered to us and actually ordered from Target and like, yeah, they, you can mm-hmm. have anything within like 30 minutes which I live in Rosette. And so I have to drive almost right. that long just to get just to, to get, town. <laughs> just yeah. to get to Walmart. Yeah. yeah. But it was crazy. So you're right. It just is becoming easier, mm-hmm. easier to get things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, Amazon is not slowing down in business any, yeah. you know, like, yes, we are growing in consumerism. So when she's linking that, the increase in consumerism to the increase in depression, that's a statistic and a trend that we need to pay attention to and then say, okay, pause. You know, it's easy to say, you know, it's just the phone. And part of our consumeristic issue we've talked about is the phone. We consume so much content now mm-hmm. as a society. Um, but it's also the things and, and just feed me, bring to me, give to me, do, to, do for me. And goodness, well, and you even yeah. think about like new phones. I was like, how often do they come out with iPhones now? I don't, mm-hmm. I can't even keep up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you always, people always want have the, the new thing, phone. Yeah. Thing, right. But the more we do that, the more we are 
training ourselves to not be able to handle anything that comes at us Mm -hmm. because we've just made our lives so easy that we don't know how to do hard anymore. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, yeah, rise in depression because when hard comes, we are not mentally ready for it. Yeah. Makes sense. And yeah. And like with consumerism, you get the iPhone mm-hmm. This is an example, but it's with anything. You get the iPhone and then the new one comes out and you want the new iPhone and then you want mm-hmm. the new iPhone. And it actually is never fulfilling, but you get it kind of thinking it will be right. right. Like, oh, this is going right. to solve all my problems. Like, right. And we get that endorphin rush. Right. We get the momentary high of the new thing, but it's always going to wear off. Mm -hmm. It's why our kids always want a new toy or a new video game or the new Lego set or whatever it is. We always want something new because we want that rush. Um, And so she's talking about fighting that, fighting the consumerism instead with being really being contributors to our society and producing rather than just taking and receiving. Yeah. And that's what the the next chapter then that we get into really talks about um, creating and how we create. But before we dive too much into that, um, let's talk about just busyness, I guess, as you know, part of the consumerism mm-hmm. is that we live such busy lives. And we have discussed this before and we will continue to discuss it, to discuss it because It's just the way our society is. We are consumeristic and we are overly busy Um, and we are just filling our days and our lives with things and tasks and to do's and service opportunities. And I mean, you name it, we're filling our days with it. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Oh, goodness. Why do we think that is? Simply put, I mean. Yeah. Well, here, let's read. Let's read a little bit about what she says here. I think you pulled this one. Mm -hmm. The silent pain of not feeling seen can drive us to lead hectic lives. Whether we've committed to keep all the plates spinning or simply unable to slow down. For some, it's all we've ever known. Patterns that began in early childhood as a way of avoiding pain. Keeping the adrenaline high and the fun nearby, we evade God-given emotions that help us unlock our purpose. So if we put that simply, we all have wounds and brokenness, you know, things that are stemming out of our childhood. Some of it is so like subconscious. We don't even realize, you know, I was talking to one of our counselor friends the other day and she was saying, you know, it can be so subtle as you are born and then your brother's born and your parents have to give your brother a little extra attention because he's a fussy baby and it creates something in you that now says I'm not good enough. Right. And then it's like, I need to perform. So my parents see how good I am. And then you become this perfectionist, you know, whatever it is. But it's it's these subtle things that your parents still loved you the same, you know, but something inside of you recognized them giving him attention as, oh, I'm not as good or I'm I, I need to gain that. Right. So it's these little subtle things that we've dealt with through our lives. And then we start doing achieving, fulfilling our lives with stuff. And so I think a lot of it boils down to purpose. Yeah. A lot of it boils down to purpose. And if we don't understand our God-given purpose, we spend our lives looking for it in all the wrong places. 
And that looks different for each of us, right? We're going to, if we are looking for purpose or is what, what were the words that she used there? Uh, not feeling seen, mm-hmm. right? If we, if we're not feeling seen and so we're trying to be seen, which I think is a purpose thing, um, we're looking to be seen, then we're going to start filling our lives and different people fill their lives with different things. And we kind of, you know, talked about longing before. And so how we try and fulfill that longing and that's what this, that's what this becomes. And so some people are filling their lives with things, right? Our homes are full. They're stuffed. Mine is, I, so much stuff. And we just keep accumulating stuff. Um, in this crazy attempt to take care of ourselves or, you know, or even have, um, and there's nothing against this, uh, mm-hmm. but my grandparents, they have a ton of things and mm-hmm. it's because they grew up in a time when they, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like mm-hmm. look at the great depression and like mm-hmm. you needed things to be safe. And so right. now right. that is their safety, safety. in things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, some people will, fill their lives with, um, tasks and doing. And so some people like get this addiction to serving others and they do it to their own detriment. And they, you know, it's just this compulsive serving and doing and, you know, needing to be needed. Some people it's achievement, right? We fill our lives with achievement and I've got to do the next thing and move up the next rung and be the best at this and get this accolade and, you know, get attention for this. And it, some people it's relationships, right? And so they go trying to fill this longing in their life with relationship. And so it's, I will go look for love and I will find it in whomever's going to give it to me. And we watch so many of our young people today, right? Just from dating relationship to dating relationship, seeking to be known and loved. And ultimately they're lacking purpose. They don't understand it as that. So they're looking to fill that with another person, somebody giving them attention. <laughs> yeah. I think in the midst of any of these mm-hmm. things and, and some other ones you've mm-hmm. put down are like experiences, mm-hmm. like trips or mm-hmm. uh, seeing places or doing things and, or knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. And I think with any of them, it's rare that you do it thinking I'm looking for my purpose in this. Right. That's not a conscious thought. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Even alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I was talking to somebody recently about um, a loved one who's struggling with alcoholism. And the more we talked, I said, it really sounds like your loved one is lacking purpose. Mm -hmm. And because they're lacking purpose, any of these things, we fill our lives with all of these things. We're trying to fill that longing within us. And so we do something or medicate, numb, whatever, get busy in our pursuit of purpose and it's all misguided it's all misguided and so that's where she's eventually getting to is that we have to understand that our purpose in this world is to join god on his mission Mm. and our god is a creator god right he created this world he created each of us and put that within us too we're all made in his image. So we are all made to be creators. And just an aside, it really makes me sad when people say I'm not creative. Mm -hmm. That makes me sad. And I want to say, yes, you are. And 
clearly did God make some of us with brains that are more creative or more out of the box? Yes. All of our brains work differently, but just because your, your, your brain is a little more in the box (laughs) doesn't mean that you're not creative. Mm -hmm. God created us all to be creators. And I love how, you know, she talks about some of the jobs in society that have always been and will always be needed, but are always like contributing jobs that are making things. People like bakers and farmers and teachers, yeah, teachers and pastors and, you know, talking about those skills that contribute to society. All of those things are creating. All of us can create. We just might not realize or recognize it like being creative doesn't mean that you have to be artistic right mm-hmm. being creative could be a good cook making a garden yeah it could be a good being a good homemaker it could be so many different things that you know that we're joining god in his mission of creating beautiful things in this world mm-hmm. i really really um for me i love it because I love creating like that's where I feel at home is making things and living with purpose and intentionality. Um, But we were talking sometimes again, we just get maybe a false view of purpose because our society defines purpose more in the achievement. Yeah. Career even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so when we're talking about purpose, we're really talking about joining God in his creative work in the world, Mm -hmm. right? In his story of redemption. And so this can look like so many, so many things, but the one that really resonated with us is motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good conversation about motherhood before this, um, as we were discussing these chapters, um, because right now I am stepping back from like the workplace and things like that. And I'm, I'm feeling really called to be in my home right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about how it can really feel mundane. And I know Karen has mentioned before that, um, you wake up one day and you're like, there's gotta be more when you're doing yeah. the same thing every single day. This is boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can get <laughs> bored really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about how it is creating. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of explain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for in those moments and for those of you who are who are at that stage where you are called to be at home, where you are feeling like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I have to wipe one more nose or do one more load of laundry, like I'm going to bash my head off the wall. It's it's recognizing the purpose mm-hmm. in that and recognizing what you are creating. And so motherhood, parenthood is a long game, right? It's not a short game. It's not something that we do it. And next week we see the fruit. It's something that we pour into for 18, 20 years and maybe longer. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) and then we see the fruit. And so for me, having launched two out, you know, two kids in college right now, I'm just now seeing, and not that I didn't, and I do, you know, like I see fruit that Valerie is producing already. 
But now I'm looking at these kids that I have that are in college and seeing them stepping into their passions and stepping into creating in this world and bringing hope and redemption and just doing amazing work for God at 19 and 21. And I'm seeing other people watch my kids and affirm their callings and speak, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, these prophetic words have been spoken over both of my kids as to more understanding what their calling is, things that maybe they didn't see in themselves or think they could ever do. And people are saying, I want you to know this is within you. And as a mom, it's like, wow, all those years that I spent making lunches and doing all of that, there was other work that was being done alongside of that. And it was discipling. And I discipled my kids. I have discipled my kids for 21, you know, plus years now. And now I'm seeing the fruit of that in who they're becoming and in what they're going to do. And it's just so rewarding. And so like, wow, God, like, I can't wait to see what my kids are going to do in the world, Mm -hmm. you know? And even Daniel at 10, I'm like, I know you've got a purpose for this one too, God. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) there's those hard days, especially when they're younger, (laughs) where you're like, um, this is, we're moving backwards. (laughs) This day is actually worse than yesterday. Yeah. But yes. Yes. Again, it's, that's the short, right. Short game. Yeah. Yeah. But you're looking at the long game. Right. Right. And so for all of us in, in so many of these things, you know, she says creating is not quick work. Mm -hmm. It is slow work. It is intentional work, you know, and she uses gardening as an example, right? There is a lot of work in setting up a garden and then in maintaining a garden and then in picking the fruit and utilizing it and like all of that, there's so much work involved, but when we do work that has purpose and that takes work for us to create something, we are finding purpose and meaning. We're creating meaning in the world and we are growing in resilience. And that's the crazy part for me. Yeah. Um, is that the work of creating builds resilience. It makes sense though, because like you said, creating is slow and Mm -hmm. it's hard and it takes from you Mm -hmm. um, to produce. Mm -hmm. And so, but there is a difference between productivity Mm -hmm. and creation, right? Mm -hmm. So I know you've like, you've learned that. Yeah, there (laughs) is. (laughs) There is. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of art this year. Um, so my word of the year was rest and starting at the beginning of the year, um, I wanted to do something that would make me sit down and slow down and hadn't been taking a lot of time for art. And it's something that I enjoy doing. And so I thought I'm going to start painting again and I'm going to try and work on this, get better at it. And also I'm going to let myself fail at it too. And I'm going to like, some paintings are going to be terrible and look like a four-year-old did it. And that's going to be okay because it's more about slowing Mm -hmm. and resting. And so I turn on beautiful music and I sit and paint. And partway through the year, I'm starting to amass this pile of paintings. And I thought, what am I going to do with them? Like, I don't need all this art, so maybe I should sell it. You know, I can use the proceeds for whatever, figure that out. And so um, we have this craft show that our church does every December. And I thought, hmm, I'll talk to them about getting a booth at the craft show and I'll make some art and sell it at the craft show. And then somewhere in the months that followed, 
my slow, restful, creating beauty time turned into productivity. Like you said about how that switch flipped from making your home a peaceful place to worshiping the home. Mm -hmm. I went from this is restful to this is now my job. Mm-hmm. And I need to do this because I need to have enough art there that I can make money, that I can make this worth my time, whatever. And so then it became the art, creating art became about productivity. And then I want to do it fast because I need to get more things done and get it finished so that I have enough to do this. And show. your meaning wasn't in the creating itself. It was in your, what you're producing for mm-hmm. the show. And mm-hmm. so that switched as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my daughter, Kalina and I were talking one day and, um, you know, we, we have the same tendency, she and I, to say yes to too many things. And she was saying yes to a lot of things, was running herself ragged. And I was talking to her and just saying, but is this what you're called to? Is this your purpose on that campus? Like, yes, you can do these things and you'd probably be good at them. But is this your purpose? Is this what you're called to do there? Because if not, this should be an easy no for you. And as I'm saying those words to her, the Holy Spirit is saying to me, and I'm sitting on the stairs to our basement and the basement is where I paint. And so all of my painting stuff is in front of me and I'm seeing all of that. And it was like, boom, Karen is this your calling? Is this your purpose? While it is a good thing and can be used to bring beauty into the world and to create a space for me to rest and commune with God, it had not become that. And so I texted Kalina and I said, I'm not doing the craft show. And she's like, good for you. (laughs) And I was like, Okay. Because she recognized like in that moment, the the exact same thing that I was telling her, I was also being convicted of. Yeah. And it's so easy to see it in someone else. And it's so hard to see it in ourselves. And so I thought, you know, if I'm going to tell her to say no to the things that aren't her purpose, then I also need to say no to things that aren't my purpose. And so, um, I texted right away and said, Hey, I'm not going to do a booth. And I got a little bit of pushback. Oh, but your art is so beautiful and we would love to have you. And I was like, yeah, but this is not my best yes right now. It's not what I'm called to do. I'm going to keep creating art and I'll probably sell it, but I'm not going to do it at this frenetic pace where it's all about production instead about the creation and about partnering with God, partnering with God. Yeah. Which there is, I would say, that your job can be creating, like Mm -hmm. she said, teacher or pastor. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of jobs that are creating. Mm -hmm. um, But when you're partnering with God, you are still creating. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're living into your calling, it's still creating as long as you have it in the right order, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think that becoming, being a teacher can easily become producing. Mm -hmm. Oh, they need to get this test. Right. uh, Oh yeah. But that's where it switches when you're looking for the product versus the creating aspect of it, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we can put beautiful products into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not what we're saying, but yes, but the process is far more important. The process and I think the mindset Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. are both. Yeah. Yeah, because you do as a teacher, now I have this one stuck in my head. As a teacher, you are putting out children into the world mm-hmm. with things that you've taught them, which is beautiful. Um, but, and that's not wrong. It's right. just, if you're like, I need them to get, mm-hmm. you know, a certain yeah. 
grade or right if the achievement mm-hmm. um, supersedes yes the creating mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah yeah the process and the person thinking out loud being, so. yeah <laughs> the person that you're my thought that you're influencing yeah so some things that we need to do in order to better partner with God. We have to slow down. Mm -hmm. You know, she said uh, about busyness, busyness is the saboteur of making meaning. Yeah. So how do we slow ourselves down and find meaning at the same time? We make good things. And so that's the difference between quick creating for productivity. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between our consumeristic society, which says we can make things in sweatshops and we can make things on machines versus I'm going to buy things from the small business that hand makes these things themselves. And it takes longer and it costs more, but it's so much more valuable in the long run. And it's so much more beautiful. And that's the other piece of this again, is taking back to beauty. We are too apt to settle for things that are easy and not beautiful rather than be patient or invest in the things that take time and contribute actual beauty to the world. She says, um, creating is costly. Mm. It is simpler to resort to busy work, doing and consuming. Yeah. Which is basically what we've been saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to slow down. So it's not just our spaces that need to be decluttered. It's our lives. It's our mental lives. It's our, calendars like we have to slow down and this is something that God has been just hammering me with this year is just trying to strip things away and um you know you don't have to be in relationship with everyone a few good relationships is far better than 30 fake relationships you know and trying to maintain all of that you know so God's just kind of like scaling me back and trying to help me recognize quality over quantity in so many areas of my life. Um, Another piece of this, I think, is feeling our feelings. So often when we're being busy, when we're being productive, we're avoiding feeling. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to look at feelings as being bad. Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm excited. Jenny Allen is writing a new book on why that is not the case and that God gave us feelings, um, yeah. which is very true. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to slow down. We have to feel the feelings. And I mean, goodness, if you look at it and you look at like music that's been put out into society, how much of music is coming from a place of brokenness? But if that artist does not allow themselves to feel the brokenness, they would not create that beauty that we then have that then, you know, when we're in that place of brokenness, we're like, oh, wow, someone else gets it. Mm-hmm. I was just recognizing that the other day, like how many worship songs that I listened to were clearly written out of extreme heartache. And it's in their heartache, crying out to God and recognizing God's goodness to carry them through the storm, you know, like, Wow. So much beauty has come out of brokenness. But if we just keep ourselves busy, we will never feel it. And then we won't be able to create from that space. Letting God use it Mm -hmm. for good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, We need to seek healing too. I think there's definitely a piece to which if we just continue living in our brokenness, we will continue to 
look for meaning in the wrong places. We will continue to look for purpose in the wrong places. We will continue to medicate our wounds rather than find the beauty in the ashes. Um, so I think we do need to seek healing because when we are healed, we're going to better be able to speak to the redemption story that we want to partner with mm-hmm. in this. But then, you know, once we've done those things, slowed down and felt the feelings and pursued healing, then we just create. And that's where all this beauty, um, all this beauty just <laughs> flows. Pours out. Yeah. It pours out from a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the most beautiful thing is yep. when you are partnering with God and you're having overflow from that. Mm-hmm. But in order to have the overflow, you do need to do the other things that you mentioned just yeah. now. Yeah. So let's just kind of wrap up with talking about like, why do we create? Like, what are we participating with? What is the point of creating? Like, why should this be important to us? Um. And, you know, I, as I was processing this and praying over it, I really thought about um, like, what does our world put out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what is out there? And there is so much darkness and so much brokenness, right? And when we encounter each other in this world, so often um, we're encountering brokenness and we're encountering darkness and things are coming at us, right? Like, I think we're all noticing it right now. We're seeing it. There's this darkness in the spiritual atmosphere. People are getting slammed right now. Like things are coming against people and people are just being ugly in our society. Like you think about cancel culture and just the way people use social media to just rip each other down and air all their wounds and just all this negativity. Like that's what's coming from the prince of darkness. That's what's coming from our enemy. That's what's coming from the world. And so here we are, if we are children of God, we are people of light. Yeah. Right. And so when we come, like we have got to remember that while he may be the prince of this world, he is not God. And this is not his world. This is our father's world, right? Like God is the creator. He is the one who created this world. And we just let Satan and his army and culture just rule. And we just kind of go with it. And sometimes we participate or partake of it. And we forget like, this is God's world and every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we were set here to have dominion over the world and to participate in what God wants to do, which is bring goodness and bring light and bring love and bring the hope of Jesus into this world. And so we have this incredible mission of creating, of partnering with him in this beautiful thing of putting beauty back into this dark world. So where there is darkness, we bring light. Where there is brokenness, we bring healing. Where there is um, just nasty ugliness, like we bring love. Mm -hmm. Like we have the remedy for all this stuff that the world brings, that the enemy sends. We have the remedy for all of that. And I think as the people of God, this is where we have lost our resilience is when the world keeps coming at us, we just get beaten down and we start to hunker down, go into our houses and order DoorDash, you know, and we like quit encountering the world. We quit going out and sharing light, but we have this huge, amazing purpose to partner with God and to produce good things and to share his light. And it is 
beautiful. And that's what this is talking about. Like it is actually beautiful to see someone living into this and to bringing light into the darkness. Yeah. It's good. (laughs) I mean, it really, truly excites me. And can you imagine like, okay, just the few of us who listen to this podcast, if we take this seriously, what impact can we have in our homes, in our community? Like just a few of us just get serious. Like, yes, this is my mission. This is my purpose. It's to create good things. And it doesn't all just have to be Jesus things, you know, like we don't just all have to share Bible verses all the time. That's not even what this is saying. It's just about being a contributor of beauty and of meaning and of goodness and light to the world. You know, I just had the, um, ladies life groups make these silly lipped up videos. And a lot of them were like, why are we doing this? You know why? Because we created laughter. We created laughter. Like laughter is a beautiful thing. So much fun. And I'm sorry you weren't. It's okay. You were away. You, (laughs) she got stuck in Florida and didn't get to be there when our group did ours, but so much laughter enjoy and even watching it. I mean, you got to yeah, see I it like laughing. It's so <laughs> funny. And so, you know, that wasn't about Jesus, but it brought joy into the world, mm-hmm. you know? So we have to look at like what skill set has God given you and then partner with him. And it's not even what skill set do we have? Sometimes we learn a new one. Yeah. I'm learning to cook right now and it is hard. Right. I have been partnering with God and I've been creating and it actually has been so fulfilling. Right. Just something I've prayed for for a long time. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. Like, can it become mundane? Absolutely. But it's the long game and it's recognizing like I am creating an atmosphere for my family to connect over this meal. Mm -hmm. And in so we're discipling our household, but also I am feeding them good meals that are going to care for their health for the rest of their lives. So Like that's a beautiful thing that you're doing for your family that's going to affect them forever. And I know we've talked about it, but seeking the beauty in those things is so important too, um, because it could be mundane. Anything could be mundane, Mm -hmm. but if you seek the beauty out, that is where changes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, One last thought I just had before we really wrap up. Um, I was thinking about Christmas, right? Because we were talking so much about consumerism. Yeah. And it's the most consumerist time of year for the Western culture. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not God's intent. No, no. (laughs) And, And do we love to give our loved ones gifts and show them love in that way? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. I love, um, looking for things for my children, for my husband and for my friends, you know, and, and doing that. Um, but I was just thinking, is there a way for us to partner with God as we go into Christmas and to make it a little bit less consumeristic, maybe make it a little bit more work, but then do the act of creating or partnering with creating. And I thought, you know, there's two primary ways. One would be we make our gifts, which I love doing and my favorite thing last year, I made um, a few friends sweatshirts. I just used my Cricut and made them all sweatshirts. And one of them said to me, I love that this is homemade. And those words rang with me all year because she recognized the time that I had put into making that. Mm -hmm. I could have gone on Etsy and found those same sweatshirts and bought them for them. Mm -hmm. But she recognized that my hands and my time had been utilized to make that. Oh, 
that just made me like, oh, wow. Like, so it, it's so awesome when we do that because people do really appreciate that. Yeah. You've made me homemade meals. I'm the worst at like going and buying someone something when they're sick, but you made me noodle soup one time and I was just thinking about it the other day. Um, it does mean a lot and you do take time and create it out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, maybe we don't give as many gifts because it takes time Mm -hmm. to make them, but the things that we've made are so much more meaningful. Yeah. And then the other thing I was thinking with that would be, you know, we have a fair trade shop here in our church, but um, just that whole concept, you know, fair trade stores and fair trade shopping, all of that, the artisans are making something. They've been taught a trade and we're so far removed from trades in our society because we just buy everything at bulk stores and, you know, Amazon and Walmart, whatever, um, that, you know, I could go to Walmart and buy a $25 fake leather purse that was made by a machine. Or I can go to the store and buy a hundred dollar leather purse that was made by an actual human who took hours to cut and sew these pieces together, making this beautiful bag that's going to last for years and has so much more meaning because it has given him value. He has learned this trade. He is contributing to his family's well-being, you know, like so much more meaningful. And so I'm forever going to shout from the rooftops, buy fair trade gifts because they are so much more meaningful. So as we look to Christmas, like those are two ways to really participate in creating and meaning making. Yeah. I need to set aside some time. I'm going to make my gifts this year. All right. Let's do it. We have a craft day. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm really excited. (laughs) Oh my. Well, it's a, it's a good conversation and we encourage you to keep talking about this and um, we would love to engage with you too in this conversation. You know, you can, if you're watching on YouTube, you can comment here. You can comment when we post things on Facebook, whatever. Um, We would love to continue to just talk to you and have this conversation ongoing um, because it is hard and it is very countercultural and it can feel very alone when you're called to your house with tiny people and you don't see others doing that. And so um, definitely reach out to your people, reach out to us, like let's do this together and create community, which is going to be what we talk about next next time. Mm -hmm. Yes. So until then, we encourage you to keep Keep looking looking above. above.